0: Welcome to the Bucket Problem episode 30. I am your host, Ace Ambender, and we are, as always, presented by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet, and we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am joined today by Alex and Dan. Uh, we're going to cover men's basketball, women's basketball, football stuff, uh, saying goodbye to Mark Schlissel, uh, don't let the door hit you in the ass, and so on. Um, Harbaugh Watch. Yeah, a whole bunch of stuff today uh, because um, apparently this uh, whole coaching uncertainty is carrying on a little bit longer than any of us expected. Although Michigan football has not stopped operating like uh, Jim Harbaugh is the coach of the football program and like actively so. Uh, and they hired Mike Elston, uh, for example, to replace uh, outgoing defensive line coach Sean Nua, who departed for USC. And Elston played for Michigan back in the 90s uh, and has been a very well-regarded defensive line coach under Brian Kelly at multiple previous stops, including Notre Dame, and has developed a number of NFL defensive linemen. Um, And uh, that kind of leads into our big mood segment because, Dan, you love this hire and you want to talk about it.
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, Hey, everybody. I feel like I should say hi at the beginning of pods. uh, I should probably do a better job of
0: introducing you. That's sort of odd.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, it's me, Dan. Anyway, uh, the I, I, I just want to talk about the hire. Um, it's uh, I, I'm going to try to avoid talking about like what it means Harbaugh wise because who the I'm hell sure we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, who knows? Uh, he's a I don't know if you guys know this, but Jim Harbaugh is very strange. And, um, <laughs> he's and and he does strange things, and it's not up for me uh, to decide why he's doing those strange things. Um, but Mike Elston, uh, I just I, when 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 Sean Nua was hired away by USC. Um, I was uh, I was pretty content to more or less uh, promote Ryan Osborne, um, who is the uh, uh, defensive, we're going to say, quote unquote, analyst, um, you know, uh, read as, you know, coach. <laughs> um uh and people were trying to like get me with sorry this is an aside but it's like an ncaa rule that you're only allowed to have so many on-field coaches but every program in the country like disobeys that rule and like all of their analysts are on the field all the time and people were like trying to like when i was tweeting about like oh you know they should just promote like osborne they're like well he like Michigan State fans were like, well, he's never had any coaching experience. Like, so what are you saying? <laughs> what do you that think bo- at Alabama? That they violated at NCAA rules. And I'm like, yes. Like, that's what <laughs> he was he was coaching. Like, I don't know. Yes, they clearly were violating. I do not care at all. Anyway, um, I was pretty okay with them if they if they wanted to just promote him. Um, but what they did instead, uh, was Really, you know, I, I think like a, a good sign of, you know, like the mindset of, 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 of Jim Harbaugh at this point in his career was get the, the best guy for the job um, that just also happens to, you know, have played at Michigan in the 90s. Um, Mike Elson, who, you know, outside of the big, uh, you know, I don't know if you if you want to say like Ohio State, Alabama, you know, Clemson, Georgia, whatever, has produced probably the most defensive lineman draft picks um, you know it, maybe like right up there with Michigan I was about um, to say Michigan's pretty yeah that's up. true yeah, Michigan's, <laughs> Michigan's done pretty good but he's he's done basically like a very comfortable job Um, it, it's a home run hire because he knows Michigan he loves Michigan so you kind of get like that I, I do think there's something to like you know having guys that are really passionate about like you know where they're coaching Um, he's a guy that was the recruiting coordinator at Notre Dame. So, you know, like he's, he's more than willing and able to get out on the trail and, and really like, you know, recruit, um, he pulled in a lot of big fish, uh, won a lot of big recruiting battles. Notre Dame has been doing great on the trail the past couple of years, um, which was not always the case. Notre Dame really did struggle for a couple of years there. Um, even when they were good, they struggled with recruiting. Um, but, uh, and, and, um, he also uh, developed a lot of you know three, like low four stars, uh, mid three stars into NFL draft picks as well. So I mean, totally well regarded. Like recruits love him. Like uh, uh, Brian Kelly, um, who's you know is a, per- a great judge of uh, character in my mind, had nothing but good things to say about him. Um, Notre Dame fans this is always a good sign. Like Notre Dame fans were super pissed that he left, um, which is good to see. Um, you know, for me personally, but also like as a sign for. And I know, believe like, well, Kelly wanted him to come. Yeah. With him to LSU. Kelly, yep, Kelly wanted him to come to LSU. He didn't. Um, and. Uh, yeah. It's uh, pretty funny that. that nobody followed Brian Kelly to LSU <laughs> for the most
2: part. It's hard it's to figure out how that one.
1: happens. <laughs> uh, who's who's coming with me? And it's like nobody. It you know? <laughs> his football family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We oh, all God. wanna stay up here in South
2: Band instead of going down there with you, Coach Kelly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is so funny to watch like a big red a big red Irishman like try to act like he's uh he, he's gonna get so the most he's gonna become the most sunburnt person in history. Well
0: during um, LSU's LSU. bowl game, I, I think it was LSU's bowl game, like they I, I think they interviewed him in the booth and he said something about how like and like I wanna give I don't I don't want to give Brian Kelly the benefit of the doubt because I don't think he has a sense of humor. Um, what has he so, has he done something in the past? Well, that well he deadpans to... saying like, you know, like I'm from Massachusetts and we notably don't have strong ass accents. It's oh like, my, excuse yeah.
1: me, sir. Listen, what I'll say about that I is did the to Boston. Of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if Brian he...
2: Kelly is doing code switching like first he had to put on a Midwest <laughs> accent. And now he's lsu's coach so he has to pretend to be a bourbon street guy he did at least
0: admit that his attempt at saying family was an utter failure (laughs) like he he at least acknowledged
1: that so there is a part of him in there that recognizes human behavior somewhere (laughs) um back to the back to the mike elston hire um he uh I, i think this it's just a really really great um hire across the board and um i think that uh Gosh, I've kind of, kind of lost my train of thought with that aside. We did there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brian Kelly derails like, a lot of things. Man. I feel like, I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like understandably. Um, but you know, overall just, just happy with it type of guy that's going to be a future head coach um, and uh, good to have more of those guys on the staff.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, you talked about him being a, an enthusiastic Michigan, uh, you know, former player alum and yeah, uh, you know, it's one thing when that is the primary attribute that you're going for in a coach is their love for your university. Um, not to mention maybe the, you know, the most recent head coach before Jim Harbaugh or anything. Um, but, uh, when that is just an added benefit where this is already like Dan, Dan said, one of the most well-regarded defensive line coaches in the country, and he just so happened to be on Michigan in the nineties, then, that feels like a hop run higher. Um, also, like, like Dan said, when it pisses off uh, multiple fan bases that wanted him to come along, um, that, all, that all seems good. Uh, now we got to pivot to basketball a little bit here. And, and Alex, uh, you're taking the men's basketball bullet for us this week.
2: Yep, Uh, my big mood for the week is being a bubble boy. Once again, um, we're back best, best case scenario for this men's basketball team is that, uh, Michigan winds up on the right side of the bubble plays their way into the NCAA tournament. I think it is possible. Um, this does remind me of the days before it was a guarantee that Michigan would make the tournament every season. Um, almost kind of reminds me of the 2011 season, which is, uh, the Darius Morris team. That was a long time ago now, but, um, checking bra- bracket, matrix, uh, trying to navigate Bart Torvik's website to, you know, use the tools that say, well, if Michigan wins X, Y, Z games, they'll have a 39% chance of making the tournament instead of an 11% chance. I'm all in on all of that stuff now. Um, before the Maryland game, I was, I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know what, if this team wins four out of five, we're, we're right back in it. We're still alive. And, uh, you know, obviously with the COVID pause, it hurts not having Michigan State at home and Purdue on the road on the schedule. They could be rescheduled potentially, but that would compress other games. Got to be a crime. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, I actually didn't watch the Illinois game, so I can't speak to what happened there. But I still think this Michigan team has the talent and the potential to exceed their currently projected. 500 finish in big 10 play um hunter dickinson is a really really good player and i think michigan um if they play well enough defensively and execute if they don't have so many breakdowns that they're bleeding wide open shots all game um i think their offense has come around to the point where they can still uh you know string together some wins pull an upset or two in big time play like there's a big game coming up against indiana this weekend on the road that's a game michigan can win and um yeah i'm i'm back to being a bubble boy it's not the fate that i expected for this team frankly um but i don't know i'm still yeah i'm still invested i mean until they like categorically rule themselves out of tournament contention i'm still in um and that hasn't happened yet
0: yeah i mean i'm kind of I, I had definitely let my uh i would say emotional investment wane a little bit uh especially during the covid pause when you know it was looking i mean it's still not looking like michigan has fantastic odds of making the NCAA tournament but they at least have it in a chance and you know, coming off of those losses to UCF and Rutgers and then not playing for 10 days uh, was kind of a tough thing to marinate in. But that Illinois game did really, you know, even though Michigan ultimately lost, they were playing without Dickinson, without uh, Brandon Johns, without their entire bench, basically. So to see them hang around for a lot of that game against a, a good Illinois team had. That was encouraging to watch, even if Illinois pulled away at the end, just to see them stick around and play as hard as they did and make it hard for Illinois to score. And that energy really carried over to the Maryland game. And there's something too, just playing your ass off on defense and having that kind of be the source of a certain level of improvement. And it did just seem like both that Michigan was a little bit more locked into what they were doing, but also that they were just playing harder on that end. So hopefully that'll stick we definitely have taken for granted
2: the defensive effort level over the past few seasons, I think. Um, and yeah, it kind of reminds me of some of those B-line teams where there was maybe an indifferent attitude towards defense on a possession to possession basis um, earlier in the season. So, you know, if they have turned it around and really dialed in on that end, like, I think that there are still limitations personnel wise on the roster that will you know, kind of prevent them from playing like truly elite defense. Um, we don't have to get into all of those specifics, but personnel wise. Yeah. I mean, there's a few spots where you're just hoping that, you know, they can put themselves in in position and get organized. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, the Maryland game, that was a nice, uh, routine win. Like that is kind of one of those games where it's like, if they lose that or if they lose at home to Northwestern, um, the dreams of landing on the bubble and, you know, constantly refreshing all of those websites and that, in that week of conference tournament season being like, are we the last four in, are we the, you know, four outside of the playing game and
0: early returns or that it's a soft bubble this year. So,
2: yeah, well then like, you know, playing in the big 10, if a team in a mid major conference hypothetically plays bad in November and December, they have absolutely no chance of getting into the tournament unless they win their conference tournament. Whereas if you play in a league like the big 10 or the big 12, the ACC, uh, you have plenty of opportunities for quality wins throughout the season. Like we can, you know, maybe talk a little bit about um, the routes, you know, the remaining schedule later in the podcast, but like home game against Purdue, home game against Ohio state, home game against, um, or no, <laughs> not a home game against Wisconsin. That's going to be on the road. Uh, don't want to think about this team in the call center, uh, nope. Illinois at home. Um, yeah. I think, I think that there are opportunities for sure to, uh, to get those high quality wins. Um, team currently doesn't have any, so they're going to have to get working on that pretty <laughs> yeah. soon.
0: But, uh,
2: but even the know. top
0: teams, the big 10 do look at least a little bit vulnerable. Even if, even as good as Purdue is they you know, they've already lost twice in the big 10, I believe. So.
2: Yeah. And like we play Ohio state twice and that's a game where like, they still don't have anybody that can guard Hunter Dickinson at all. And, uh, you know, so I like Michigan's odds matchup wise there, even if Ohio State is just a objectively better team at this point. Um, but yeah, we'll see we'll see how it shakes out. I think Dickinson's been really good and uh, it's kind of a shame that the team hasn't you know elevated alongside him, but I mean, if you're looking at the standings, the team are, the teams around Michigan in the big Ten standings don't have
1: the kind of upside that this team has. No, a few yeah. teams do. <laughs> can, I, can I get two k- takes out there real quick? Sure. Um, I, I want to agree with Alex uh, that Dickinson um, uh, has really improved his play, um, and uh, I like. I feel like that's that's something that shouldn't go unnoticed. Um, kind of a bummer that uh, you know the rest of the team hasn't, um, you know, like, like Alex said, hasn't hasn't elevated around him. Uh, but you know, he he's he's increased his range. He he played great the other night, um, and he's generally looked pretty good. Um, and the other thing I want to say is that I think Kofi Coburn isn't good at basketball. Um, I think <laughs> I he's just, for that. <laughs> I, I don't, I, what I want, I want to make this clear. Like, I don't think he's like a net negative on the court or like he's actually like quote unquote, like bad at basketball, but he's just like, he's pretty good on defense. He's big, he's strong, obviously, but like, he's not a real basketball. All he does is like, get the ball in the post. And like, if he can't bully the guy that's guarding him, he's useless on offense. And I don't think that's a real basketball player. Um, I don't think he's like even top. He, like he, he. I watched him play Purdue the other day, and he was the third best center on, on the court. Um, honestly, maybe the fourth, because the guy that the guy that came in like at, for him when he got in foul trouble did a much better job defending uh, defending Purdue's bigs. Um, so yeah, he's just big. He's not good. Um, I think he's, I think, I think Illinois is a good team. I think Curbelo, you know, looked really good the other day and, uh, Trent Frazier is very good. Um, but I think Kofi Coburn is like the most overrated player in the big 10. Um, and I'm not afraid to say it. Other people are afraid. They're not going to tell you the truth about Kofi Coburn.
0: Dan, what's the first team that you, uh, can remember Kilo
1: O'Neal playing for? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think probably the Lakers. They okay, beat the that was Sixers. a better answer than
0: I expected. Yeah.
1: because they beat the Sixers, the AI Sixers, um, you know, back when I was like watching more or less. Um, but were, would you, you, think, were mean, you alive
0: when that happened? That yeah, was like was, 2001.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. I was I was I was living in Pennsylvania at that time. <laughs> so I would have I was very aware of the 76ers. Allen Iverson was cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, are you comparing Shaquille O'Neal to uh, to Kofi Coburn? Only in terms of their uh, ability to
0: dominate Wait. with size. See, I feel like I, my comparison would be like a D1
2: defensive end playing at the IM building with exactly a bunch of randos. He, dude, that's
0: exactly what he is. He's like, <laughs> that's you, another way to go. He
1: is. <laughs> right. That's, all, like that's all he is.
2: He's way bigger. He's way stronger. Like really good shape. And that I mean, matters. let me, let me that, just
0: get
1: up. The shack was like five times the athlete that Kofi Coleman yeah, is. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I think that, and like all that, I'm not saying like being big doesn't count. Like, look, uh, Michigan's had plenty of football players. That's main attribute was just being big. Like it counts. You still get to be big. Um, but like, that doesn't make you like a skilled basketball player. And that's the reason like, He's, you know, probably not going to really do anything in the NBA, but yeah, no, I totally agree with Alex. Like, this is just like, you see some football player playing on the IM courts and you're just like, come on, man. Like, can we get like a run in? That's like, not just you dunking on everyone. Like we get it. Like you, you, play a real sport. Can you go play that sport? I actually
2: have a question for you, Dan. Do you think that Zach Edie is just big or is he actually no, a good basketball player? Zach Edie player?
1: is actually a good basketball player because he's, he has like actual post moves, um, and yes, no, Zach Eadie, look, here's the thing. Zach Eadie is like the, the hypothetical of like, you know, when you were a kid, you're like, why don't they just get like a 10 foot player, um, to, you know, play basketball. And how like, no, is Zach this not Eadie the is, same? <laughs> it's not because Zach Eadie makes post moves and can pass out, like can pass when he's double teamed. Do you? Dan, Dan has been Boilermaker. <laughs> we can't. We Kofi can't. Coburn, to this. Kofi Coburn got the most obvious double team from freaking Jace Howard and like, I don't know, whatever other Munchkin like Michigan had double teaming him in the post. Probably Jared
0: Fultz. Yes.
1: And he literally <laughs> just, he just dribbled out of bounds. Like, he's not. He can't pass I, I don't know he's not good it's not that he can't pass it's that he won't pass <laughs> well, okay <laughs> pick your poison i don't know that's that's the same thing to me uh look uh, he's, he's very jacked and that's his best attribute <laughs>
0: illinois fans can find dan
1: at dick stauskas on twitter oh no don't worry they have they have they keep they keep letting me know they're like oh Juwan howard's never beaten uh uh, I don't even who uh, Brad Underwood. I'm like I don't care. Like I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I don't if think about you team. at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think of, if this isn't about Illinois. Dan like, really we, thinks about basketball. Do <laughs> you think he thinks about yeah. Illinois basketball? Yeah. Like I, I, Illinois. Like if. Uh, it, this is not about Illinois. This is about Kofi Coburn specifically. I don't know. <laughs> this what's... is about
0: shit posting about
1: <laughs> Kofi Coburn. Let, I don't know let's... what it is about <laughs> him. That's like fired this part of my brain up, but he's, he's, this is my new, this is my new um, crusade against Kofi Coburn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all got to have our battles.
0: All right, in a a little bit of a different position than the men's team is the women's basketball team, which after a loss a couple weeks ago against Nebraska, where Nebraska just caught absolute fire from beyond the arc, and uh, Michigan was not running the the best offense in the world. Um, They have since uh, regained all of their players, which is very nice. Um, Two games ago was the uh, first time that they played at full strength uh, since the first minute of the season. And, um, they have won three straight games, including, uh, beating Maryland at Maryland to snap their 31 game home winning streak. It's the first time Michigan has ever won, uh, at Maryland. Michigan is now the number eight team in the country. And they've won three straight games since that Nebraska loss. And most notably they're doing it while Nas Hillman is kind of taking a backseat early in games. She has a combined zero field goal in these last three games. Um, has scored four points all from the line, uh, isn't even producing much on the boards uh, in the first quarter of these games, but she's passing really well, especially early in games as teams are focused on double and sometimes triple teaming her in the post. And the reason Michigan beat Maryland is that um, both the attention that Maryland paid to Nas Hillman and some really uh, kind of slick secondary actions on plays drawn up by Kim Rico opened up the perimeter for Maddie Nolan to make uh, a career-high seven three-pointers on 11 attempts uh, for 21 points, all from beyond the arc. Uh, Michigan blew out Maryland by 20. Um, to get their first-ever win at Maryland by 20 points after opening up a 10-point first-court lead, in which Nas Hillman scores no points, Is um, it's another step in the evolution of this program that not only do they have this superstar But now they don't have to rely on said superstar to have monster games to be able to beat really good opponents. Maryland was the number eight team in the country heading into that game. Hillman finished with nine points. Uh, She was the fourth leading scorer on the team. Leah Brown, once again, was uh, a huge threat as kind of the lead playmaker working off the pick and roll. And then you had Layla Filia coming back from a COVID absence and Amy Dilk working her way back. Uh, from her knee injury. And suddenly this team looks like they can really spread the floor around Nas Hillman. Emily Kaiser has been playing really well when Michigan needs to go with two posts, um, which they prefer to do. But if Michigan wants to go four out one in, suddenly they have the skill to do that. And we're starting to see the offense really open up combined with some really phenomenal defense. Um, The Maryland game was one of the Best defensive efforts uh, anyone's had against the Terrapins. They're usually a high-flying, high-scoring offense in Michigan. Completely shut that down. So my big mood of the week uh, is that um, if you're going to follow one team right now, you should probably be following the, the women's basketball team. They are the most fun.
2: Yeah, a win over Maryland in women's basketball carries much, much more weight than a win oh. over Maryland in men's basketball.
0: Yes, the Turps and Women's Hoops are a perennial top ten team. Uh the Terps and men's basketball are um down ahead coach because he yes. left because he saw what so, was coming.
2: So bad that their coach quit on them.
0: <laughs> they they are
1: down bad. Uh speaking uh, of okay. down bad. Oh, <laughs> oh never mind i oh, sorry, Dan, do you want to say something? Um, I was just going to ask, uh, like, I've, I've been following the women's team this year, um, and I'm curious, Ace, uh, you know, with, for, for your expert opinion here, um, it seems like UConn is stinky this year, or not stinky, but, like, definitely worse than they normally are. Is there, like, a hilariously dominant team this year that's, like, it's going to be, you know, Michigan can make a run through the tournament but, like, kind of comes up against a juggernaut and can't quite get past them? Is there anyone like that this year that's, like, definitely going to win the national title?
0: Uh, I would not say definitely, but South Carolina is exceptionally good. Um, Don Staley has built a really good program there. You might remember Don Staley from being a, an Olympic basketball player back in the day.
1: Yeah, um, but that's okay.
0: Uh, and, uh, yeah, um, she's also been coaching for a little while there. Um, gotcha. But they've got a really good team. UConn has uh, fallen into a rut, but they are... Um, they, I mean, Paige Beckers is injured right now. I think they've got a couple other injuries, so they're kind of getting by with a piecemeal lineup right now. Uh, there are a couple other teams, uh, Louisville, who smashed Michigan earlier this year, um, albeit at Louisville. But that was a uh, that was kind of an eye opening blowout. And uh, um, North Carolina State is also very good. But um, you know, if if like a Titan or two goes down. Uh, early on in the tournament or, you know, maybe Michigan just has to be the team that does it. But I I mean, I wouldn't put it past Michigan to be able to compete with a a one seed, a national championship, uh, might still be, I would guess a level away, but there, it still feels like they have made progress from last year, despite losing a couple starters because of the, uh, talent they've built up and the and the depth that they've got on this team right now when they're at full strength they're really good so i mean in a covid year uh with the number of absences that have been happening around the country you never know um so this is certainly the first michigan team that you'd even give like a puncher's chance of winning the national championship so um i I would yeah this is i would say on pace to once again be their the program's best year ever if they kind of fulfilled the potential that the team has shown so far. Um, Last year was pretty great though. So beating Tennessee and almost beating Baylor in the tournament was pretty good. Um, But I I think they've got the potential to do better than that. And the Maryland game kind of showed that. Um, All right. Now we move on to uh, some university news. Uh, Former president, Mark Slissel has been fired because um, he conducted an affair with an employee over his umich.edu email account after at one point being documented um, asking somebody, I believe, over email that was subject to public, public records requests if deleting emails would make them no longer subject to public records requests. This is a man who has been very high up in academia for a long time and he does not know how FOIA works. And that resulted in something like 1,500 uh, emails of various degrees of lurid being uh, released to um, everyone with the umich.edu email account and uh, the entire general public because uh, he was fired with cause and now um, Michigan no longer has to pay his golden parachute, which um, the cynical side of me, and boy, is there ever a cynical side of me when it comes to um, academia and large organizations in general? Um, the cynical side of me says that that, that golden parachute suddenly made Mark Schlissel uh, very expendable when he decided to resign uh, and get a big old payday out of it. Um, when there was what seemed to be the most easily uncovered uh, scandal in a while, just uh, sitting right there waiting to be plucked up by somebody um, and used as reason to not pay him. Truly incredible. That
2: email was the preferred method of communication there. Um,
1: He's a boomer folks. Yeah. That's gotta be the the least sexy way to uh, (laughs) be seduced is over email. It's so slow. Like, come on. I mean, he knows how to send a text. Does Um, he? Do you think, do you think he
2: followed up on Slack? Like, hey, um, yeah. I sent you an email two hours ago. Could you please take uh, a look at it when you get a chance? <laughs> we,
1: we had a, I had, I had a bit going with my friends a while ago about like um, sexting over email, like re, like uh, <laughs> hot, sexy, uh, like <laughs> lingerie <laughs> picture. Like, hey, just just following up, j- just looking to circle back uh, to that nude I sent you earlier. Um, <laughs> can I get your can I, can I get your feedback by EOD? um (laughs) anyway Uh, that's 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 just a little taste of the gross stuff that mark schlissel could have been doing over email thankfully Um, the only
0: photo attachments that they uh had (laughs) uh printed and posted in there were of like mark schlissel sending um a photo of like eggplants from,
1: from the grocery store. Oh yeah, dude, that's that's so hot, dude. That's uh, awesome. Girls, he really, no, he
0: he likes it when you say that, Dan. Yeah. He, he
1: really misinterpreted the eggplant emoji. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, he thought he's like he's like yeah, no, women just love <laughs> produce, and that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna give the people what they want. Um, yeah, no, I I feel like the most embarrassing thing was how not uh. Provocative. that the emails were like they were just all so milk toast and like boring and like the the whoever I I, way, I don't want to like make light of this situation yes. because um I mean well we are already so I suppose, there are certain uh, aspects of it where I think poking fun at Mark Slesil yeah, who is punched out on a lot of people is
0: okay as long as we yeah, keep in mind sure. that in the larger picture this is somebody who is um using his position of power to take advantage of people. And there's also a a number of other reasons to, uh, dislike Mark Schlissel. And I mean, yeah, we are, we are still holding this in the eye of, of Mark Schlissel did a bad thing here and not, not just in, you know, the morality of cheating on your spouse. I mean, it's not my business. Um, obviously I don't think it's great. Um, but, uh, to the power dynamics of any sort of relationship with somebody who works under you, um, it does not make for an equitable relationship. So, um, you know, the, I, I think people need to keep in mind that there is another person involved here who uh, was quite possibly taken advantage of by Mark Schlissel, um, whether or not that was the intent, because that's how the dynamics of power work in the workplace. Um, and he was the president of the entire university. Um, so, um, the fact that he was even looking for that in the workplace, regardless of whether or not uh, he was married at the time, is uh, um, the conduct extremely
1: unbecoming of the uh, leader of a university, to say the least. Yeah, I, I personally am shocked that a uh, a high ranking member of academia would use their position to... Um, I've certainly never heard of anything like this happening ever before. So.
0: Well, and, and I do <laughs> want to circle back to what you said about um, how... Relatively um, unsexy these sex were if you, you even want to call them that um, these flirtatious yeah. emails I mean uh, you know they you
1: know they'd barely get you up to a PG rating uh, in a
0: movie <laughs> this um, was
1: like 12 year old Dan trying to like hit on uh, girls like in my, in my this class really like, this really had this the feeling <laughs> of like a middle schooler trying to run game um, yeah
0: it really did
2: but just send your
0: uh, AIM message lonely. It, it, <laughs> lonely. M. It did remind. It was like a bunch of AIM away messages. It really it was, was. It yeah. was brutal. Um, so I mean, while while Mark Schlissel was posting this cringe, um, the, the relative lack of I don't know explosiveness to the scandal also makes me think that this was something that um, probably could have been revealed at any time. And they chose to do it when it was very convenient. Um, because every region signed onto this newsletter, including people who have benefited, uh, from some of Mark more controversial decisions in the past, like doing in-person classes, uh, in the beginning and throughout the pandemic, um, sometimes against the advice of experts. And, um, That benefited, uh, to name one regent, Ron Weiser, who is a uh, significant landowner in uh, the city of Ann Arbor, especially when it comes to um, off campus student rentals.
1: And, uh, he had you can can read that as a slumlord, like, literally, like, the, the one of the most exploitative, uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say what i really generally think. Not say what I think. human being yep. yeah. in the state of michigan you
0: can uh, search his name if you want to read more um, yeah he's famous for other reasons as well and the uh in chrysler is named after him and his family it's great stuff and um, they
2: renamed uh the denison building which i had uh calc two as a freshman
0: yeah i think they're working on undoing some of that um but anyway um ron weiser still a sitting regent uh although at one point uh I mean, he doesn't really participate in the meetings. Uh, I believe they censured him, <laughs> um, but he goes, uh, in a, he
1: goes in a chair sure. in the corner when they start. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, I will not
2: be canceled. And then he just get, gets, but, canceled. but even,
0: but even Mr. Cancel culture, Ron Weiser, uh, you know, has signed on to um, the letter announcing Mark Schlissel's resignation, even though he profited more than anybody else from Michigan, Maintaining in-person classes throughout a fucking pandemic. Um, It's hard to even list all the other things that uh, Mark Schlissel did wrong while he was at Michigan. Um, He pissed off pretty much every group of people related to the university from tenured faculty to non-tenured faculty, particularly um, to the graduate student union, uh, also very particularly. Uh, because, yeah, he, he, he tried to bust up two union movements. Good stuff. Um, university staff did not like him. Uh, he enraged the entire Flint and Dearborn campuses by treating them as second class. Um, and the students absolutely hated his guts, um, in large part because of the uh, mishandling of um, the pandemic uh, and uh, how that impacted the students during this time.
2: Yeah, there was a reason why everybody is lining up to uh, to dunk on this guy. Um, my sister wrote for the Michigan Daily, recently graduated. Um, her boyfriend is part of student government, and yeah, they hated Mark Schlissel. Um, yeah, my sister's boyfriend actually like tried to start booing him at the graduation, which I thought was hilarious. Like He <laughs> truly is a New Yorker, um, but yeah, he was not a well-liked guy at all
0: no and i mean in addition to not being well liked um it is now uh less of a surprise in light of um him being fired for an inappropriate relationship that he oversaw um multiple mishandled sexual assault or misconduct scandals uh while president of michigan um there is obviously the the robert anderson uh um scandal which uh Michigan has basically done the least they can do um, just kind of saying that they've put it in the hands of the lawyers. And if you pay attention to the victims of Robert Anderson, uh, they don't think he's doing nearly enough or that the university is doing nearly enough. And I would agree with them. Um, And it does not, it certainly does not help that um, there were several other um, sexual misconduct uh, issues within other parts of the unit that, you know, the academic side of the university, um, there was Martin Filbert, who rose to the rank of provost, um, even while there had been multiple complaints lodged against him. Um, and I believe Schlissel denied any knowledge of that while uh, Michigan was trying to wash their hands of that whole issue.
1: Yeah. Let, me, let me just chime in on that because that guy was there when I was in school and like Even I heard rumors about him. And obviously I was not in the position to do anything about it because I didn't, but like, that was a well-known thing. It it well-known enough that like I had as a student had like knowledge that like this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. And and when things like that rise to the
0: level of common knowledge, there's just uh, no real plausible deniability when you are the president of the university. And also part of the report is that the man is having sex in his university office. Um, it's just hard to believe that he did not know. Um, there were also multiple times uh, uh, Schlissel asked um, about ways to, or suggested uh, circumventing federal records requests. He did it um, while uh, the various Big Ten university presidents were discussing whether or not to have a 2020 football season. Uh, he try to suggest that they set up a, a server <laughs> or find an email server. And he didn't seem to understand email very well, but he was definitely trying to find a way. Like he was like saying to like Wisconsin's chancellor, like, could we not use our university emails to have this discussion? He's and like, I, I was like, assuming to, whatever I would like to go uh... she had to him was like, what the fuck is wrong with you?
1: He, he, he suggested going quote Hillary Clinton mode. uh, with, <laughs> with <emails.
0: laughs> uh
2: the uh, I feel like that little episode just gives such a perfect window into his brand of arrogance and incompetence and reveals, you know, as we can kind of infer from a lot of other things that he's done, is that he might not be that smart, or at least not as smart as you would expect for a man with his credentials. And uh, it wound up catching up with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, for somebody, for a university president to be unaware of how um, federal records requests work is shocking to me and especially when it seemed to very much be in his best interest to know how those work because um he was you know just sitting on a time bomb Th- those emails were just waiting there for anybody to pull up um I will say Dave Brandon was much better at hiding his bad emails because we had we had to really go searching for those um these surface rather easily um so just to finish off the solicitor conversation, he also showed like zero understanding of the university when he came here from Brown, um, you know, kind of being shocked that uh, students cared about athletics as much as they did and talking about how, you know, there needs to be a, a balance and basically talking like an Ivy league president. And this is a big 10 school. This is a public school. This is not a private school. Um, there are certain parts of student life that are, you um, we think very integral to the experience of attending Michigan. And yes, part of that is supporting athletics. Um, and, um, not only did he show no understanding of it when he got here, he seemed to show no desire to learn and no desire to rectify those mistakes. As recently as 2020, he was saying that there would be no college football without in-person classes as if those things ever had anything to do with each other. Um, and I mean, that was the least of his issues. Um, so yeah, the, the, the Knish jokes have been fun um, and very well deserved on, on Schlissel's end. Um, but this is also a difficult time for the university because they have a long way to go to repair the damage done by his presidency, the issues that he allowed to fester while he was in office And I mean, especially the relationships between the administration and both the staff and the students, those are so fractured right now um, that, uh, you know, Mary Sue Coleman in the interim and whoever the next full-time president is going to be is going to have a really big job on their hands to um, not just get the university, uh, I would say, pointed back in the right direction in a lot of ways, but also to just regain a certain level of trust with everyone from staff and students to alums, because uh, there's a lot that needs to be regained right now. Um, speaking of which, Michigan just settled with uh, Robert Anderson's victims for some of around uh, $500 million, which uh, sounds massive, but then you remember that um, the uh, number of victims uh, was described as, quote unquote, countless in the Wilmer Hale report. Um, there is really no way to put a dollar figure on trauma. Uh, I will say that um, this, is, this is the least Michigan can do, um, and they've mostly uh, resisted it at every turn. Um, so if we're, I, I, I mean, I will repeat, I've said it before, I'll say it again, because apparently people keep doing this. Stop comparing sexual abuse scandals and the responses to them unless you're doing it in a way that is constructive. And there is nothing constructive about saying, well, Michigan handled this better than other school, because first of all, Michigan did not handle this very well. And second of all, these are tragedies that are not competitions. And uh, it is time to continue to look inwards and see what we can do to make sure that issues like this never happen again, because as has been made very clear by a lot of what we just talked about regarding Mark Schlissel and what he oversaw at Michigan. If you say this can't happen again, then you haven't been ta- paying attention.
2: Yeah. I mean, it seems like as an institution, Michigan is especially bad at handling these types yes. of things and powerful institutions protect powerful men. And, you know, Robert Anderson was a powerful man. Larry Nasser was a po- powerful man. And, you yeah. Like you said, this is something that can keep happening unless these systems change.
1: Absolutely. The, yeah. Dan? Just the, I mean, you know, I want to try to not say too much. I, I feel that, like, the w- words are really insufficient here and there's nothing that can be, you know, said or, like, tweeted or, like, done to, you know, alleviate any of the suffering that the victims have, you know, had to, that the victims, unfortunately, you know, went through. but. Um, the, the thing that I'll say is like the, I know we have like fun on here with like the whole Michigan arrogance and I certainly, you know, like partake in that bit. Um, but that's really all it is. And if you ever thought for a second that, you know, somehow Michigan was special in a way that like morally we wouldn't allow this to happen. Um, or, you know, something like this couldn't happen here, you know, that's obviously been, proved definitively false and it's just I you know it, I I don't know why I don't know why people can't come to terms with uh the fact that you know like let, let's just go back to the original one right like Joe Paterno at Penn State you know Joe Paterno is one of like the most well-regarded I mean I would even say just like before anything came out like more well-regarded than, than Bo Schembecker in terms of like the things people would say about him what a great guy he was you know how revered he was by like an entire fan base um and the, you know like the way that he proclaimed to do things you know like quote unquote the right way um and he was shown to be like you know critically failing in in protecting you know the people that you know he he, he uh, claimed to care about and um the idea that michigan and Bo Schembechler and and whoever you know was was in charge of these you know these decisions like could ever be morally better than you know just too good for something like this to happen is is ridiculous and I just really hope that this fan base can come to grips with that and not make this about you know football and not let your like pride in the university um, and your personal feelings towards the people implicated. Uh, cloud, you know, what is a pretty clear picture of what happened for, you know, uh, decades at the University of Michigan. So yeah,
0: it feels like as we have moved past the initial shock of the Wilmer Hale Hale report that there has been um, a loss of focus on this case, which I mean, it's understandable. We're in a pandemic, there is a lot going on, there is a lot to pay attention to. And also, these things are not fun or easy to think about um, and contemplate and address. At the same time, the fact that there hasn't really been any sort of satisfactory statement from Michigan to the victims um, is just appalling. Um, I really don't care about liability at that point. Um, And Michigan still just is about to shell out half a billion dollars um the fact that the football facility is still named after Bo Beckler and there's still a statue of him in front of that football facility uh is a moral failure on Michigan's part and um there seem to be people who uh agreed with that initially who have maybe sort of backed off of that and I'm sorry but time does not change the uh moral picture of this
1: uh-huh. yeah and, and and more specifically a big 10 championship doesn't change the moral picture of that no. that's 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 part of i think what has led to like the resurgence in this you know it none of that i think when when this originally came out people were at a pretty low point in terms of fandom and just because your football team won some games does not change what Bo Schembechler did or failed to do and um and the fact that you know yeah the 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 statue obviously needs to come down.
0: Yeah. I mean, let me be clear that I I think Jim Harbaugh did a phenomenal job as a coach this year, and uh, given the nature of coaches and given the position that he's in and given the example that the university leadership has set, I don't think his statements in support of Bo Schembechler are a fireable offense by any means. But I would still like to hear him apologize for him. I would still like the university to set a tone where you don't have – a lot of former players and especially very prominent ones, very, you know, Desmond Howard did this in a, a Reddit AMA recently um, coming, you know, basically saying the same thing where he didn't, you know, basically said he didn't believe the Wilmer hair report and, um, you know, still thinks the same of Bo Shenbeckler and believes that other people are entitled to their opinion, which is some bullshit um, that there are still these very, that the, the most notable, Figures connected to Michigan football um, still ha- can still basically without any sort of backlash voice their support for Bo Schembechler uh, reflects how much the leadership has failed in this regard um, to really draw a line because with Penn State, of course, there you know there were people still supporting Joe Paterno, obviously, but it it was a notable line to, to cross, even if a lot of people crossed it. Um, right now, I don't think people are even that aware of the fact that Desmond Howard voiced support for Bo Beckler um, using an ESPN marketing, uh, Reddit account, um, which is pretty wild if you think about it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, Michigan has taken the bare minimum step here of settling a lawsuit. Um, there is still a very long way to go, um, before, Uh, it's appropriate to say that they've handled this at all well. And also before um, I think anyone should be willing to put any trust in university leadership Um, really about anything other than making money because uh, they have put that above addressing a lot of problems at the university.
1: Yeah. And as far as the support from former players goes, um, I, I do have like, I have a certain level of, you know, I understand that Bo Schoenbechler was a, was larger than life and a father figure to a lot of these players, um, including Jim Harbaugh, but that you need to be able to take perspective at this point. I mean, it's not a question of, of, if he knew it's a question of, of what, you know, to what extent he did. And it needs to be, you know, you need to be able to at the bare minimum, shut up about it for at, at least the time being and, and ideally like come to terms with, you know, the reality. I mean, I, I, I I get that this guy was their coach, but it like, you're doing, you're doing harm to the university, but more importantly, the victims every time that, you know, Desmond Howard or someone else says something stupid.
0: Yeah. And I I think uh, lost in this a lot of the time is that um, a large number of these victims were teammates of these players that are speaking out. Um, And, you know, for some guys who say that they, you know, they learned a lot of lessons from Bo Schembechler. Well, this this was this is a man who constantly preached the team, and I mean, I'm not saying this is why you should support victims, but it, it goes against the advice that they say um, was so integral to you know, build, you know, building them up as as uh, college athletes um, and so impactful on their lives. Going forward, if they really internalize those messages, I mean, Bo Schimbeck wrote a passage related to Emron saying that a person in a leadership position is lying if they say they are overlooking a scandal like the one that he uh, very intentionally overlooked and uh, pushed aside um, to the uh, unfathomable detriment of a lot of people. Um, And I know it is an extremely difficult thing to uh, acknowledge about somebody who you, who a lot of people revered that um, they had such a, an enormous moral failing. Um, and at the same time, uh, and that, and that I, is really why I come back to Michigan's leadership and their inability or unwillingness to um, really set down a consistent um, acceptable message that truly supports the victims in this and, and validates uh, the incredible amount of trauma um, that the university allowed to happen under its nose. Um, because without that happening, it really sets the tone for everybody else. And um, yeah, Michigan is, is uh failing their students, failing everybody on campus. I I mean, Robert Anderson's reach was far and wide. And, um, you know, also there are a lot of problems that continue with the university. And um, I will certainly say this myself as somebody who has uh, um, been a victim of of sexual assault. There are a lot of people watching um, and a lot of people who may not be speaking up, um, keeping a real close eye on how the university responds to this and the response has been tremendously disappointing. And so has the response from a lot of people, not necessarily directly t- tied to the university, but, uh, you know, alums, fans, writers, you name it. Um, uh, it is disappointing how people have been willing to kind of stop talking about it. And when they do talk about it, a lot of times it's been disappointing. Um, the, uh, um, kind of accepting the university's party line or, um, praising how the university's handled it, or, um, turning this into some sort of competition. Uh, and I hope we can, uh, learn and do better. And, uh, I think a lot of that starts with getting things right at the top at the university. There's no easy way to transition to this, but as always, we are brought to you by home field peril and points bet. Um, Homefield Apparel is doing season three of their big new Saturday series as we speak. It is hoops themed. I believe Cincinnati is coming down the pipe. They've got DePaul. They've got a bunch of other schools coming up. Um, I'm excited to get into a very basketball themed um, home field run. Use promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. We're also brought to you by PointsBet, my preferred gambling app. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BucketProb to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 matched in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, though, you must use the promo code BucketProb, that is Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly, set limits, avoid chasing losses, never bet when you can't afford to lose, take breaks when you need it, and use the self-exclusion feature to stop you from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I know we went long in the first segment. This uh, just got moved into this one. Um, but uh, we're still not entirely sure if Jim Harbaugh is going to be coaching Michigan next season. Uh, so I guess we should start with like how we're feeling about this. I, I, I mentioned last week that I'm tranquil and not checking message boards. I'm still not checking message boards, which I think has a lot to do with my sense of tranquility. Um, but it does seem like nobody has a real read on what's going on in Jim Harbaugh's head. Uh, meanwhile, uh, not only is the Raiders' head coaching job open, but their general manager job has popped open. So it does like that. Seems like it's the last bullet for Michigan to dodge. It also seems like, um, in uh, very Raiders' style, that they may be coming in with, uh, you know, a significant offer, both in terms of dollar amount and. Um, control over the organization. I feel
2: like since it's been reported that Michigan has extended an offer to renegotiate the con the contract that was renegotiated last year, um each day that passes without Harbaugh signing it is to me a slight increase in the odds that he'll leave. I don't know if that, those odds are 5% or 20% or 40%, but if that contract's on a table and he hasn't signed it, um And he's, you know, presumably not negotiating it much further, uh, given that it's been several weeks since this started being talked about. It seems to me that he at least wants to hear what's available on the NFL side. And, you know, yes, he's been recruiting. Yes, he's been, you know, hiring coaches to replace the ones that have left. But it doesn't mean that he, excuse me, instead of going to hockey games yeah going to hockey games hey who doesn't like a, a good game of hockey he oh, could have his true. bags packed and still be <laughs> like you know what i need to stop at mr spots one more time i need to go to yost one more time i need to go to skeeps one more time <laughs> harbaugh Ma- experience imagine yeah imagine <laughs> harbaugh at skeeps or ricks just like watching and surveying the scene uh funny to think about but yeah i you know who knows what those odds actually are um it seems to me that the chatter that I'm picking up from my friends who do follow this closely seems to be that people don't really know. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Hey, Dan, friend who follows
0: things closely. <laughs> How are you feeling over
2: there? Shout out to Dan. <laughs> shout out to my friend, Kyle, who uh, is like a premium <laughs> message board
1: guy. Um, so we've got a little uh, uh a bucket bucket problem, uh, bucket report here, um, breaking news. Uh, Bruce Feldman has reported that, uh, sources inside Michigan think Jim Harbaugh would take Las Vegas Raiders job if offered. So that's a special as of 15 minutes ago. Um, you're going to oh be boy. getting that hot and hot and fresh on uh, Thursday morning. Um, if you're, uh, if you're a bucket problem, uh, subscriber, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what to make of that. Um, Feldman's said a couple times that he feels like Harbaugh wants to go to the NFL, um, but I don't. I, any sources other than like I don't know, Harbaugh got people that are talking directly to Harbaugh himself it feel somewhat. Um, I don't know. It's it's really tough to tell with Jim because he doesn't he doesn't have a real agent, which is usually how a lot of this news leaks. And he does not talk to a lot of people. Um, so that's not a good sign, though. Certainly. Can, can, can um, I read a
0: piece of this report? Because you might feel a little yeah, bit
1: better afterwards. For sure. Uh,
0: so multiple sources inside Michigan football told The Athletic this week that they think if Harbaugh is offered the Raiders head coaching job, he'd take it. No, he they think. Um, next paragraph. They also know that Harbaugh can be hard to read. Their hunches could be wrong but they also know he's never coached anywhere longer than 4 years prior to his 7 years in running in Ann Arbor. They've each believed that he at some point would want to coach in the NFL again. And then it goes on to discuss whether or not the Raiders are the right situation. So, I I like the idea of the football
2: staff trying to parse the weird <laughs> anecdotes that Jim
0: <laughs> utters during like
2: a, a staff meeting and being like you know, was that analogy about him leaving for the Raiders, or is he really talking <laughs> about how people log wood in the Northwest territories? Like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> He's uh yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like I Jim Harbaugh is I mean, I, I can't possibly like emphasize this enough. He every time I see him speak, he says the most not bizarre, I would say, but just like he tells you exactly like what the literal answer to a question is. And like he'd be a really bad interviewer, um, like, you know, for like a corporate job because he doesn't know how to BS. He doesn't know how to like add fluff to answers. He's just like giving dirt. So I think it's he's really hard for people to read. Um, I don't necessarily trust national guys on this. Um, There's also the fact that like, you know, the Raiders are pretty, the Raiders players are pretty openly campaigning for um, the Italian guy, um, which, you know, I, I definitely more Italians, uh, we need as head coaches, um, for sure. (laughs) Um, but, uh, the, the thing is he, we also do know that he's been telling recruits and coaching staff that he's going to stay. Um, that seems like something normally I would kind of dismiss that for a lot of coaches because they I mean, let's be honest, a lot of like you, most coaches just lie to recruit Tony Alfred, you know? Right. Um, so that's kind of part of the job, unfortunately. Um, but Jim Harbaugh did tell a recruit that he was recruiting that like, Oh yeah, I'm going to look at NFL jobs, which is not like, he's very honest. And if he's telling coaches that he's going to stay, I don't necessarily see him leaving. Um, but I don't know. Again, like I mean, I just said Harbaugh's tough to read, so I don't know why I would you know be any different. Um, and it's certainly somewhat bizarre that he has not uh, signed yet because he certainly could. Um, so you know, a lot going on, uh, and I am not really going to try to like parse it any more than that because it's it's really like I, I, I don't know what else to say besides Jim Harbaugh's kind of a weird guy. Yeah, this is why I've mostly taken a step back from doing the
0: constantly refreshing Twitter, going on various message boards, trying to get whatever the latest word somebody got from somebody who knows somebody who knows Jim Harbaugh. Um, I mean, you know, even the tweets from people close to Jim that we know are close to Jim Harbaugh are expressing a significant level of uncertainty about what he's going to do. And what he's thinking. And generally, if people who say they've got great sources are uh, saying that they're not sure about what they're saying, then they're even less sure than they're letting on because you generally kind of uh, sell your strength there because that's the nature of being a source. Um, and this is a long way of saying, I have no idea. Yeah, I wonder what the editorial
2: guidelines for reporting that somebody thinks something is going to happen are. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what, I mean, sort of, you know, to refer to the Feldman report, uh, that just came out, you know, sources inside Michigan football can mean anything from, you know, Jim Harbaugh's two coordinators who might have a pretty good idea of what he's doing to like a couple of like assistant equipment managers who may not have ever had a, a one-on-one conversation with Jim Harbaugh. Um, it's, uh, it's really tough to tell what's coming from where in a lot of these cases. And so I would say like, for me, actions are more and inactions are more what I'm going to follow here. And, um, you know, it, it it is a sort of, uh, you know, obvious on its face point, but like Alex said earlier, um, every day that passes by without Harbaugh signing a contract raises the level of concern because, uh, that means he's still thinking about other possibilities and um now it makes sense that it's lasted this long if he's going to consider the raiders at all and he wants to at least see what the offer is um i would hope that that gets sorted out rather quickly but um now that the raiders are no longer dealing with uh being in the nfl playoffs with a coach that they don't really want uh, but uh hopefully it'll move fast in terms of if they're just planning to you know give him a godfather offer and you know control the organization then that might be it um but i assume we would find out rather quickly if you know i would hope that he has contemplated what goes into that decision and i imagine he has um if that offer comes forward and how he'd operate um beyond that uh but the raiders you know, just fired Mike Mayock and also did it without um, telling the scouting department until after the news broke. Um, well-run organization, uh, but Jim Harbaugh, unfortunately, is kind of used to working in dysfunctional organizations. The 49ers under Jed York, uh, not great. Um, and I don't know how that impacts his thinking one way or the other, because again, this is Jim Harbaugh. Um, so we don't know. Um, yeah. I think that's enough times saying we don't know. So let's uh, quickly move on uh, to whatever other basketball stuff we want to touch on before getting on out of here. Um, I know Alex, you mentioned earlier that you did not watch the Illinois game. I just wanted to say that uh, it was exceptionally funny uh, to watch Chase Howard block Kofi Coburn. Um, I am shocked that Dan did not bring that up in the first segment when he was busy uh, uh, calling Kofi Coburn bad at basketball. Um, But Jace Howard actually uh, has looked relatively decent uh, the past couple games. And I don't, I don't know whether he's going to be like a a rotation player or even a fringe rotation player, Uh, but he looks like a viable big 10 bench player. And uh, for Michigan to get that out of a walk-on, um, is is pretty nice and, and we know obviously I mean he's got good size he's got good athleticism um he had 5 points in 3 minutes against Maryland uh, so uh you know he's been he's been doing decently out there um and i i think the next big thing for Michigan is that in addition to Devonte Jones um improving his play and Alex you can certainly weigh in here um Frankie Collins seems to be getting a lot more comfortable running the offense. He also provides a level of explosion at the rim, that Michigan just not has not had with their guards of late Um, finished a poorly thrown lob um, in rather spectacular fashion against Maryland that I don't think any other point guard other than maybe Darius Morris uh, gets to since like Jalen Rose. Um, So we'll see. I, I mean, this is still a team that, you know, as we talked about earlier, has a good chance of missing the tournament definitely is going to fall short of preseason expectations. But uh, between that, uh, Musa Giabate going six for 10 from the field against Maryland, uh, Hunter Dickinson being absolutely dominant in that game, including dishing out six assists. Uh, there are still a lot of reasons to watch this team and even a fair amount of fun to be had.
2: Yeah. I think uh, the caveat that Maryland really is bad and, You know, mysteriously sat some of their starters, which is never like a good heuristic for how they're going to do.
0: Fired for uh, soliciting a uh, sex worker um, a few days earlier, Uh, so that that's never really a great way to go into a game either. So, yeah, it is worth noting that this was maybe not um, peak Maryland that Michigan caught on. And
2: as far as how things have potentially changed since that stretch where Michigan lost to. I believe it was Minnesota at home, UCF on the road, Rutgers on the road. Um, none of those games were really competitive in the second half down the stretch. Uh, if, if anything has changed, I think, yeah, defensive intensity is one thing that you can point to. And defensive execution um, has looked a little bit better from what it sounds like in the Illinois game. And then, yeah, against Maryland in the first half, they held them to like 0.6 points per possession. And that game was over by halftime. Uh, Point guard play, I think, has improved uh, to the point that you made earlier. Uh, Devontae Jones seems to have settled into his role a little bit better as facilitator who kind of picks his spots. He's also shooting much, much better from three than he was at the beginning, still on kind of a low volume of attempts. Frankie Collins, uh, confident player, kind of that spark (laughs) plug backup point guard that you like to see, and yeah, his ability to... Finish not only above the rim, but kind of through traffic a little bit too is has been really impressive. And he's a guy that you look at as a you know program guy who will probably step into a starting role at some point uh, down the line. He he looks pretty good. Uh, Michigan really needs Caleb Houston to play well, I think, to to really turn things around. Just because you know, like you said, Jace Howard's played okay at the three when he's played, but he's not really a starter. I don't think Terrence Williams is a solution there either. Zeb Jackson has been out for personal reasons. So that kind of leaves quite a lot of burden on Houston's shoulders. He played pretty well against Maryland, but it has been a rough season for him so far. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what Brandon Johns looks like when he comes back. It's been a rough season for him so far too. Um, and yeah, you know if if Hunter plays well, Michigan has a chance against most teams, unless you know the three point, uh, you know three point shooting is really skewed against them. Either they miss miss way more than you would expect, or the other team makes way more than you would expect. Um, I still don't think that Tia is a, a great fit next to Dickinson. I think no. in the interest of playing your best players, he needs to start. He needs to play a lot. Um, but that's something where you look at, like, okay, if Diabate sticks around for another season, he is going to be a good starting center in the Big Ten next year. Um, I still think he makes – you know, he obviously flashes a ton of potential and he has physical gifts that nobody else in the conference has. Um, but as far as being, like, you know, starting four, he makes a lot of mistakes still. Um he's very up and down at times. He doesn't quite protect the rim as well as you might expect, given his physical tools. Like I think, you know, probably could block more shots. Mm -hmm. Um, he's a guy that will improve a lot. And I think if he stays, he'll be really, really good next year. But yeah, Michigan's going to have to rely on its veterans. That includes Jones. Um, Eli Brooks still hunting shots, still kind of playing outside of, you know, his comfort zone. I don't think that's going to change. Um, but yeah, looking on the bright side, you know, really comfortable win over Maryland, good opportunity against Indiana. Uh, Northwestern's a game you got to win and you know Let's hopefully we're game. sitting here next week talking about a little bit of a winning streak heading into East Lansing.
0: That that would be very nice to to carry some momentum into that Michigan State game which is on Saturday the 29th. So coming up and yeah, Michigan is really at the point where they have to take um, anything close to a gimme and Northwestern at home. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a guarantee. There's really no guarantees in the big 10 other than beating Nebraska, but, um, yeah, they they got to take that and, and steal a couple that they're not supposed to. Um,
2: yeah. To your point about there not being any gimmies, Northwestern won in East Lansing without their best player. And, You know, Michigan State is a better team than Michigan, but I think that there's areas that Michigan can exploit. I think in terms of, you know, volume scoring guards that have given Michigan trouble this season, Michigan State doesn't really have that. Um, You know, likewise, Marcus Bingham, pretty thin still. You know, it's going to be tough for him to contain Hunter Dickinson. He's Michigan State's best player. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. My expectations are pretty low. At this point, you know, I've – gone from the point of being disappointed that a top five team is probably going to miss the tournament to being like, okay, well, if they do make the tournament,
0: I'll be happy and excited about it. At least we had to reach the acceptance stage early with how uh, quickly things devolved. So, you know, we got that going for us. Um, I'm going to end this with uh, a little uh, riffing on women's basketball here. Uh, Michigan is now at 15 and two, uh, six and one in the conference, which places them, only a half game uh, behind Indiana, which is now rated number six in the country, um, but came off a is coming off a pretty significant uh, scare. Uh, they needed overtime to beat a pretty middling Purdue squad. Um, also, the only beat the Nebraska squad that upset Michigan uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, they only beat them by seven. Um, they went to overtime with Maryland a couple weeks ago. Uh, they have been in some close ones. They've had um, a little bit of uh, injury uh, misfortune that has revealed some depth issues on that, that team. So while Indiana is still, uh, particularly at full strength, the clear number one in the Big Ten, they've moved back a little bit towards the field. And given that this is a season where you can kind of expect that depth is going to get tested. Uh, Michigan may have an advantage down the stretch against the Hoosiers. They have kind of a nice buildup schedule uh, to a game against at, at home against the Hoosiers, um, which is the only time those two teams play this season critically um, on the 31st, uh, but before that, this week they have Wisconsin and Purdue at home. Wisconsin uh, is generally the worst team in the Big Ten, and the only reason that they aren't this year is because uh, Rutgers is in a state of shambles for a number of reasons. Um, but Wisconsin just got their first big 10 win in a very long time against that Rutgers team last week. Um, her hoop stats gives Michigan a 96% chance to win that game. Uh, so that one is Thursday night. Uh, then this weekend they play Purdue, um, which as I said, gave, uh, Indiana a bit of a test so they can be frisky, but this is another game that Michigan has, uh, over a 75% chance of winning. And then they traveled to Ohio State, a team that is relatively good, but Michigan beat them by 19 uh, on New Year's Eve. Um, so that that's, that's the schedule before Indiana. That Indiana game, depending on how things shake out, could decide the Big Ten championship. And uh, it would – I mean, for this Michigan team uh, to be in the discussion – for a big 10 championship when the big 10 is also kind of for the first time being discussed as uh, possibly the best women's college basketball conference in the country uh, with uh, its strength top to bottom is uh, this is another step forward for the program. And um, we'll see if they can finish it off. But um, you know, if you'd asked me coming off that Nebraska game, I would have said there's very little chance that Michigan catches Indiana and they came very close to having that happen last week and um, we'll see if it happens over the next couple of weeks, but um, the Hoosiers look a little bit vulnerable. So um, there is a lot to look forward to with the women's basketball program over the next couple of weeks. That is all for this week's show. Um, Follow us at on Twitter at bucket problem and go to www.thebucketproblem.com to subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus podcast. I promise I will actually be getting one of those out soon. Uh, speaking of which, if you want um, either tweet or email uh, any mailbag questions you might have, um, email address is the bucket at gmail.com rate review, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, and if you're feeling extra kind, please set it to download. That is great for uh, us being able to make some money off of this. Use the promo code bucket problem at homefieldapparel.com and the promo code bucket prob on points bet. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.